Thank you for joining us for Carlton Fields on Real Estate. Today, we're going to talk about the commercial real estate market, in particular, the hospitality industry. We had a great response to our first podcast on the hospitality industry, and we thought it made sense to do a three-part series on the specific issues facing participants in the hospitality industry. Joining us again to discuss the business of the hospitality and commercial real estate business are Dan Weedy and David Adams. Dan counsels clients on a wide range of hospitality-related issues, including various mixed-use and joint venture projects. Dan has extensive experience in representing hotel brands, owners, developers, lenders, and managers in all aspects of hotel ownership, management, and financing. He is currently president of the Atlanta Hospitality Alliance. David Adams represents national, regional, and community banks in a host of regulatory and financial matters. He has extensive experience in the areas of regulation of financial institutions, acquisition and sale of business entities, and financing of various transactions. David has sold several hotels during his career and financed multiple properties through both government-guaranteed and non-government-guaranteed financing. Both David and Dan have been published extensively, including legal and non-legal publications on the commercial real estate market. Dan and David, welcome. Thank you, Christina. My name is David Adams, and welcome back to our podcast series on the national commercial real estate market. Today, we're talking again with Dan Weedy, a guy who, again, needs no introduction in the regional hospitality industry, and more importantly, is the guy who was willing to start this podcast series with me. He's the co-founder and president of the Atlanta Hospitality Alliance, an approximately 300-member Atlanta-based professional development and networking group that meets quarterly to socialize and discuss hospitality industry trends and developments. I thought it very fitting to ask him about the hospitality industry, and it's the goal of this podcast to give those who have never participated in the hospitality industry an introduction to the business and detail. This is the first podcast in a three-part series on the hospitality industry, and Dan has dubbed this first installment Hotels 101, Legal and Business Issues in Hotel Development and Ownership. A Beginner's Guide. The second and third podcasts in this series will be called Hotels 201, Legal and Business Issues in the Purchase and Sale of Hotels, What You Don't Know Can Hurt You, and his master's class, Hotels 301, Legal and Business Issues in Hotel Management Agreements, An Owner's Guide. Dan, thank you so much. We're thrilled to welcome you back. So, Dan, let us know about what new developers and potential investors should pay attention to if they're involved in their first hotel deal, and why are more people becoming involved in their first hotel deal? Thanks, David. That's a lot to cover. As mixed-use developments become increasingly more common in both urban and suburban markets, we're seeing more experienced retail office and even residential developers becoming first-time hotel developers. This podcast is aimed primarily at those first-time hotel developers and other professionals who may be new to the hospitality industry. So first, let's start with some basics. One of the most important differences with hotels when compared to all other commercial real estate asset classes, with the possible exception of retail, is the critical importance of the brand as it relates to creating value in the hotel asset. I'm going to go into more detail on this in future podcasts, but as a way as an example, Brands such as Courtyard by Marriott and Hampton Inn, which are widely considered to be category killers within their respective segments, 
can increase the value of a hotel asset by upwards of 30 to 50%. That's right, 30 to 50% when compared with other brand options that might be placed on such hotel assets. Therefore, in addition to the brand or the franchisor, almost every hotel deal has at least three other stakeholders, or I say is a, with a chair around the table, that has a critical interest in the role of this hotel. And those are, in addition to the brand, the owner, the manager, and the lender. Each of these parties has unique perspectives based on their respective interests, and each party has certain contractual rights and obligations to the other parties. But the main documents that govern the operation of the hotel are the franchise agreement and the management agreement. For larger hotels, the management agreement and the franchise agreement are sometimes combined into a single document, which we sometimes will call a branded management agreement. These are critical documents, and the negotiations over the fees including incentive fees, the operating authority, operating standards, the budget approval process, early termination rights, liquidated damages, are all extremely and highly negotiated. If you take nothing else away from this podcast, please remember this. You need to hire an experienced hotel attorney to advise you in negotiating these critical documents. The final introductory point that I think a new investor in particular needs to focus on is the evaluation of the market and understanding the metric terminology that the industry uses to evaluate the financial performance of a hotel. Savvy investors carefully consider all the factors in a given trade area from which the hotel draws from. As I'll touch on more later, a hotel doesn't come with an in-place long-term cash flow represented by long-term leases. Therefore, it's of critical importance to understand both the demand side of the equation as represented by the demand drivers in the market that feed the hotel, you know, who stays there, who's likely to stay there, as well as the supply side of the equation, which is represented by the current set of the hotels that are deemed to be in competition with your hotel, and anticipated changes to that, meaning new hotels that are being constructed or planning. To really understand the health of the hotel market in a given trade area, investors need to look at the historic performance of their competitive set of hotels, as measured by what we call the average daily rate, or ADR, the occupancy, and the REVPAR, or what we call the revenue per available room, which is, in fact, the all-important metric used in the hotel industry and represents the occupancy of the hotel for a given period of time multiplied by the hotel's average daily rate for that same period of time. Think of it as the stock price. Fortunately for hotel investors, there's a very powerful tool that provides this information on the subject market and the subject set of competitive hotels. It's known as the STAR Report from STR Global. An entire podcast can be devoted to the importance of the STAR Report, but I just don't have time to go into it right now, except to say that all potential developers and investors should obtain and carefully analyze the STAR Report to understand the health of the given hotel market. Dan, hotels are both a real estate asset as well as an operating business, and of course that makes them fundamentally different from many other real estate classes. So can you tell us a little bit about how this is and what that actually means? Of course, David. In a traditional real estate investment, the owner buys the real property, and then he'll create long-term in-place income stream via signing long-term leases. These owners will frequently hire a management company, primarily to collect the rent, to track and to pay expenses, to prepare budgets, to schedule maintenance, etc. These management responsibilities can usually be handled with a minimal on-site staff. Hotel deals are different. When we say that they're an operating business, we mean that in order to function, a hotel must employ dozens of employees to do everything from cleaning the rooms, serving meals, managing the hotel, 
checking in guests, marketing the hotel, and performing all the related HR duties related to employing so many people. Since a hotel leases up nightly, as we like to say, a hotel really obtains its revenue from the operations as opposed to its real estate. Properly managing a retail or office or multifamily property and properly managing a hotel are both challenging endeavors, but they're very different and require very different skill sets and experience levels. New hotel owners who don't understand how different owning a hotel is from other real estate classes is likely to make mistakes that's going to cost them money. The hospitality industry is ruthlessly competitive, and what you don't know always ends up hurting you. As Dan mentioned earlier, this podcast is aimed at explaining some of what makes a hotel development different from other real estate developments and discussing some of the more important issues in a basic hotel development deal. And some of these basic issues are the deal documents. These documents include, one, the franchise agreement, two, the third-party management agreement, and three, the technical services and development agreement. Dan, can you take a moment to describe each of these documents? And why don't you start with a description of the franchise agreement and what it actually does? I'm happy to, David. Each of these documents will be the subject of future podcasts, and there's a lot of detail to go over in each. But the franchise agreement is simply the license agreement between the owner and the brand that sets forth the rights and obligations of the owner to operate the hotel under the brand, or the flag, as it's sometimes referred to. Franchise agreements are drafted by the brand, and they're fairly one-sided, and most brands are extremely resistant to making any substantive revisions to those national forms. Nevertheless, owners are usually very happy to sign these agreements since, as I mentioned above, by some estimates, the right flag can add upwards of 30 to 50% to the value of a hotel when compared to other brand options. Issues that are frequently negotiated in these franchise agreements are the franchise ramp-up fees, rights of first refusal, Property improvement plans, or PIPs as we call them, key money, limitations on the personal guarantees of the owner, reserve fund contribution amounts, the areas of protection, and early termination options. Dan, you've also mentioned a third-party management agreement. Can you take a little time to tell us actually what that agreement is and what it does? Of course. A third-party management agreement is the operating agreement between the owner and its unaffiliated third-party manager. A third-party management agreement is different from what we sometimes refer to as a branded management agreement. In a branded management agreement, the flag manages the hotel and licenses the brand to the owner. In most cases, where there's a third-party management agreement, there will also be a need for a franchise agreement to be in place. Issues that are frequently negotiated in third-party management agreements are the length of the term, the fees, gross operating profit guarantees, finding the manager's duties and limitations to its duties, early termination options, liquidated damages, performance tests giving rise to early termination, budget approval processes, operating standards, employment matters such as who the actual employer is. It can be the owner or it can be the manager. Lender protections such as subordination, non-disturbance, and attornment agreement obligations reserve account amounts and access to those accounts, areas of protection, owner indemnification of the manager, guest data and cyber liability, as well as manager self-dealing restrictions. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Finally, 
talk about the technical service and construction management agreement and what a first-time hotel investor can expect with this document. Occasionally, a developer with experience in developing retail or office projects will want to include a hotel in their mixed-use project, but acknowledges that it doesn't have the hotel development experience necessary to reliably develop a hotel component. In these situations, the project developer will hire or joint venture with a hotel developer to provide the expertise needed to develop the hotel component. These agreements are not at all standardized but are generally referred to as technical services and construction management agreements. Issues that are frequently negotiated in the technical services and construction management agreements are the advisory and development fees, defined responsibilities of the construction manager from pre-development all the way through the hotel opening, development budget preparation and approval process, owner-required approvals, accounting responsibilities, insurance and indemnification obligations, and limits on the construction manager's authority and obligations. Thanks so much, Dan. Of course, as you can imagine, this is just a small sampling of all the issues that can arise in a hotel transaction. And this is why Dan decided to do this in a three-part podcast series. Obviously, this is Hotels 101, a beginner's guide. But Dan is planning on doing two more of these podcasts. Dan, tell us about the next two podcasts. Our next podcast will be Hotels 201, the legal and business issues in the purchase and sale of hotels. What you don't know can hurt you. As common sense would dictate, given the interrelated nature of the business and real estate components of a hotel, the best informed investors typically get the best deals. This podcast will explore the legal rights an investor needs in order to evaluate a hotel as a possible investment, including the due diligence process, documentation, and closing considerations. Then, our final podcast in this series is going to be called Hotels 301, Legal and Business Issues in Hotel Management Agreements, an Owner's Guide. As we just briefly discussed in this podcast, hotel management agreements set forth the basic relationship between the owner and the operator of the hotel. These documents have terms anywhere between 3 and 50 years, so there's obviously a lot at stake in getting these documents right. Because hotel managers are responsible for a hotel's day-to-day operations, including employee relations, marketing, advertising, maintenance, and capital expenditures, the negotiations regarding the rights and obligations of the owner and the manager in connection with the hotel manager's duties is critical, and the provisions of a hotel management agreement can result in the success or failure of a hotel venture. This podcast will try to demystify how these complex documents work and explain the competing interests of the owner and the manager and the franchisor and the lender in these documents. We hope you'll join us. Dan, thanks again for sharing your knowledge and producing this series. We hope that all of you will tune in for the next two podcasts in this series. You've been listening to Carlton Fields' podcast series with Dan Weedy and David Adams. To learn more about our commercial real estate and finance group, visit carltonfields.com forward slash real estate. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields. Thanks for listening.